Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, hello, guys. So I know we all want to be booked and busy. That is the goal as estheticians. But in order to do so, we've got to be booked. This episode is in partnership with Gloss Genius. Made for salons and spas, Gloss Genius is the only business management and payments platform that makes it easy to grow revenue and enhance the client experience. From a beautiful online booking site to powerful marketing tools and low payment processing rates, Gloss Genius empowers you to run your full salon in a stylish and smart way while feeling supported at every step. For 50% off for two months, go to the link in the show notes and enter code TTR22F. Now, without further ado, let's get back to the show. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Treatment Room Podcast. I think this week's episode is going to be hugely valuable for those of you who want to learn more about things like gut health, thyroid health, nutrition, and hormone health, all such important aspects of our overall wellness that can also affect our skin health. Our guest of the show this week is Fiona Smith, honestly one of my favorite influencers in the health and wellness space. So I'm just so glad we made this happen. I've been wanting to have her on for actually years, I stumbled upon Fiona on TikTok and immediately I was so drawn to her for many reasons. Um, For one, I felt like she was my long lost Hashimoto's autoimmune sister. Two, she's so fun and enjoyable to watch. And three, she's really pulling back the curtain on some important conversations we should be having in regards to our overall health and women's health. So I can't wait to get into this conversation. We talk about things such as hormonal acne, mold, plastic, how those can play a role in our hormone health, how we can structure our meals, our nutrition, and even start our day to live optimally and reap the benefits. Without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Fiona Smith. We're in for a treat today. I am here with the queen of thyroid and hormonal health, Fiona Smith. Welcome to the Treatment Room Podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I've listened to like a couple episodes here and there, and it, it feels really exciting to be here and like to finally get to talk to you. <laughs> oh my gosh, finally. You I guys, know. we've been planning this for probably months, and we would just have issues like my Wi-Fi going out, Fiona's Wi-Fi going out. So we're finally here. And I have so many questions that I know Fiona is just the perfect person to answer. To kick us off, Fiona, would you mind telling us a little bit about your background and expertise? Yeah. So um, again, my name is Fiona. I'm a certified nutritional therapy practitioner or NTP. 
So I focus mostly on helping my clients understand the data their body is giving them. Um, I focus mostly on thyroid and hormonal health. And um, yeah, just I'm big on, again, like the data our body is giving us and how do we act accordingly. So um, I'm really passionate about thyroid health because it's something I personally struggled with. I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's back in God, at this point, I think it was 2019. Yeah, end of 2019. I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's. And um, I found that a lot of things with nutrition and lifestyle and even supplements helped me put Hashimoto's into remission. So I am here just like sharing my story, sharing what works for me. And also, I I love diving into the scientific literature and, and sharing the information that's out there to help people. So that's really my background and what I do. And speaking of helping people, when it comes to your business and and working with women, what are some of the common complaints that you see and and what does your program involve? Yeah, so the biggest ones, surprisingly, usually mental health related concerns, because our thyroid and our mental health are so intimately connected. Um, I know, I think it was mental health visibility day. Was that yesterday? I don't know at what point this podcast will be going out, but that's really been on my mind because of how intimately like our mental health is tied to our thyroid health. Our thyroid impacts like every cell in the body, like every single system. So it, a lot of the, so many things can be impacted. So mental health, um, a lot of my clients come to me struggling with brain fog. That's a huge one. Um, I know when I was in the depths of like really struggling with thyroid health, I like I had coworkers that would make fun of me because I'd be like saying something and then halfway in the middle of a sentence, I'd just like black out. And I would yes. be so scared like that that would happen during like a podcast or something. It still does every now and again. But yeah. I would be, I'd be so scared that that would happen. Um or during like a work presentation or whatever. So brain fog, mental health, um, digestion, our thyroid can impact. So a lot of people with Hashimoto's struggle with like constipation, diarrhea, period issues, irregular periods, um, really everything. Like our, our thyroid impacts every single organ system in our body. So those are the big things that I would say my clients come to me kind of wanting to improve is like digestion, brain fog, mental health are the big things. I cannot relate to you more when you said brain fog and like, so, and the way Fiona and I were kind of united was, I think you came up on my TikTok or FYP page, but we both have thyroid issues. Do you have Mm -hmm. full, full blown Hashimoto's Fiona? So I did. Currently, it's in remission. So I don't have elevated antibodies anymore. Those are down. Currently, like my TSH is a bit high. I'm still working on that, but not anymore. So I... I like sometimes struggle to like find the words to describe that to people because to Uh me remission is like if I stopped doing like all of the things I'm currently doing to care for myself, like I would go back to like Hashimoto's range with antibodies. So totally, that's currently where I'm at. I mean, and it's the same way with skin health. If we stop treating the acne or stop doing these important things in our lifestyle it can come back. So I feel like it's almost just like maintenance. And you and I talk about this all the time, like how health focused our lives 
are. Would you mind speaking to that a little bit? Like, what are some core factors of healthy living or some kind of guiding principles that you talk to your clients about? The one that's like really on the top of my mind right now is building muscle and strength training. Like that is one of the biggest things. Um, And I know that's kind of random and like kind. I mean, I'm not a personal trainer, but I'm a big advocate for strength training and and finding someone who can help you with that because um, that's really something. Where like I I don't know if you want to dive into the conversation surrounding like insulin resistance, but. Yes, Um, we do. (laughs) That is a huge thing that can fuel acne and hair loss and unexplained weight gain and brain fog and even mental health symptoms. And anything we can do to put more muscle on our body makes us more insulin sensitive and supports thyroid function because we actually convert a small amount of our T4, our inactive thyroid hormone to T3 in our muscles. So for me, like for anything hormonal health, thyroid health, I see a lot of like information on social media that I think is like maybe helpful, maybe not, where people are promoting certain supplements and different like gummies and different products, but really there's no substitute for movement, like not only stimulating your lymphatic system, but doing things to build muscle. Um, My favorite quote is like muscle is medicine. So that's like a huge staple for not only myself and, and my clients, but that and then nutrition is huge too. So strength training is like a big pillar for me. Um, nutrition's a big pillar um, for myself and my clients. Like antioxidant rich foods are so important for um, skin health, for thyroid health, for hormonal health. So anything you can do to get in like berries, fruits, vegetables. I think oftentimes we hear like eat your fruits and vegetables, but we don't hear the explanation behind it or we don't understand like directly how that's impacting us. Um, but antioxidants are really important. Um, I follow mostly like an anti-inflammatory lifestyle. So I'm really big on like getting in your omega threes, wild caught salmon, um, different. Yeah. Just whole whole foods diet is a, is a big focus. So those are two of the, the biggest things I would say. Okay. I have a few questions. Yeah. I feel like a question I get a lot or like a struggle I see with clients is the idea of the 80-20 rule. And I feel like I see this on TikTok a lot, Mm -hmm. Um, like living healthy, you know, a majority of the week. But it's like that idea of like, you can do both. Like you can, um, you know, live a totally different lifestyle on the weekend. How do you feel about that as somebody who works with women and kind of looks at overall health? Do you feel like that is is kind of a smart approach or do you have any criticism of it? Mm, I literally love that question so much. <laughs> okay, good. So my answer is it totally depends on the person. So okay. we were talking kind of off off recording before this about how like if you have an autoimmune disease, the way you take care of yourself is going to look a lot different than someone who does not have an autoimmune disease. If you have a very severe imbalance, whether that be a hormonal issue or someone who doesn't have that, like those two lifestyles are going to look different. 
So I think like it always, like when we're absorbing content online, we always have to ask, like, does this apply to me? (laughs) Does Mm -hmm. this apply to me as a unique human being? Because everyone's definition of balance or what balance looks like for them is going to vary. Like for me, as someone who like is working really hard to keep my autoimmune disease into remission, I'm going to be super honest. Like I don't, indulge in alcohol every single weekend because I know that's going to send me into an autoimmune flare. For someone Mm -hmm. else, that's not going to send them into an autoimmune flare. And their definition of balance might look completely different than mine. Um, Like for me, I'm someone who does have to strictly maintain a gluten-free diet also to keep my Hashimoto's into remission because we do have some small studies that show like a strict adherence to a gluten-free diet over the course of about six months is associated with lower thyroid antibodies. So for me, that has been so beneficial. Obviously, everyone's different, but I know that like if I want to have quote unquote balance in my life, I'm going to make some gluten-free brownies or like some gluten-free cookies at home. Like I have to find different ways of balance and what balance looks like for me. It's kind of mm-hmm. like, like what I, I guess what I, the gist of what I'm saying is balance for someone with a chronic health condition might look different than someone who does not have a chronic health condition. And that's okay. And I also think too, on the other side of the coin, it's, you know, our bodies are also resilient on this, on the other side of the coin. So I like to think of our, I almost like to think Mm -hmm. of it like a painting, like our, our health, like our health picture is like each individual stroke makes up a painting. So if we, I'm trying to think about how we can put this into words, but I'm also lenient in the same sense. Yeah. Of I I'm not like obsessively strict about things because I know if I like go off the rails like a little bit, I'm going to be fine, but I have to find what balance looks like for me. I don't know if that if that kind of makes sense. It does. No, it fully makes sense. And I love that you mentioned that, especially because it's like we trust ourselves to make healthy decisions for our overall well-being, but we also have to weigh that sometimes with is the over restriction, the rigidity causing more stress and inflammation. So it's like this weird balancing act that I kind of experience all the time. And I'm, I guess I'm kind of asking you this as well, because I've seen you post mentions of saying, you know, you tried to pack a very nutrient dense breakfast, for example. And mm-hmm. in your corporate environment, you've talked about how that's almost been perceived as like a bit weird. And I feel mm-hmm. like as a fellow autoimmune person, mm-hmm. sometimes you can feel isolated because mm-hmm. you're trying to act in the best interest of your like overall health and wellness and and how you can live sustainably. But at the same time, there can be this pressure in our society to quote unquote, have balance and, um, you know, like just eat the cookie or just kind of don't ask for additional modifications at a restaurant, like eat how everyone Mm -hmm. else is eating, eat the bagel or the donut and the coffee. Um, and, and don't be like so weird or like overly focused on nutrition. Um, mm. So sometimes I kind of like feel a bit estranged as a person who just knows the significance of nutrition. But also it's again, it's like that weird line we toe of not trying to 
like make it inconvenient for other people or like mm. not spilling out too much. Mm, I relate to that so much, not making it inconvenient for other people. <laughs> but right. at the same time, it's like, I, I often feel like in the online space, like everyone comes into the online space with different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Like intuitive eating does work for some people and like the quote unquote, eat the cookie, like that, that is liberating to, to a certain population of people, especially people who've struggled with disordered eating. But I, I find people will speak from that um, lens, whereas I'm speaking very, you and me are speaking from a lens of someone who struggled with a chronic health condition. And in that case, I feel like the way we navigate the world and the way we navigate nutrition might be slightly different than someone who's, who's maybe navigating the world as someone who's um, recovered from disordered eating. So totally, I think it's, that's where the nuance maybe gets lost. And I think we're all speaking from our own experiences and our own, um, yeah, we're speaking through the lens of our own experiences and what, what works for us and what we gravitate towards and what, what diet frameworks or nutrition frameworks work for us are based on our experiences and, and what ultimately, um, Right. Works for us. And I think that's so different depending on who you are and, and what you've experienced, you know? Yes. Yeah. And I love that you brought up that lens of, you know, somebody who's just trying to make sure they can eat. Like that's a very different, very different, different person. Um, and it, that is where there can be a challenge and Another reason why I have so much respect for you mm-hmm. is, um, yeah, being able to talk about Im- the importance of health and nutrition um, mm-hmm. with kind of this, I feel like this trend of needing to make everything balanced. But it, the reality is just we all have a different background and it's it's very difficult to speak to a generalized audience about nutrition because of, we've all been through you know different things and something we've related on is kind of growing up in the era of a lot of processed foods and yep our fruity pebbles and our hot yep. pockets and you know um do you want to talk a little bit about you kind of realizing you had an autoimmune condition? What were some of the things like you experienced on a daily basis and how have you used food to um, aid in your healing journey? Mm, I love that question. Well, I think it's so important to, this is a huge reason I like started posting on TikTok and social media because Thyroid issues are something that impacts around one in 10 adult women. It is so common. And oftentimes um, we're seeing three or four practitioners or three or four medical professionals before we get the correct diagnosis. So I'm really passionate about giving people the signs your body will give you potentially years before you get that autoimmune diagnosis. And I can obviously only speak from my personal experience here, but um, some signs that my body gave me. And also too, they're considered like phenotypes, like very specific um, signs that many people will experience mm-hmm. typically before getting diagnosed or during a diagnosis process are the tail of your eyebrow disappearing. Like I noticed that was the first thing to go. I, I always chalked yep. it up to 
plucking my eyebrows in like the 2000s like like the skinny eyebrow I'm like oh yeah that's why my eyebrows are thin but they never grew back even like 10 years later um so I noticed like the very thin tail of the eyebrow hair loss was a huge one that's a that that can be an indicator of of thyroid issues and Hashimoto's so I would notice like I'd be in the shower and it was like a small gerbil sized chunk of hair would like fall out every time I was in the shower um like the biggest red flag for me was just the amount, the amount of time I was sleeping. Like in college was when a lot of these symptoms started to get really bad. I think that was maybe like the stress of college. I was very type A, like mm-hmm. some sort of like VP of like every club there was on campus. And like, I was trying to keep my scholarship and trying to maintain like a 4.0. And I was trying to do all of the things. Like I was in the orchestra at my college. Like I was just going, going, going. I was working a full-time job, like full-time school. And it was just too much. And I think that was my breaking point for my body. Um, And I always like to say too, our body will slow us down. Like if we're the type of people that are go, 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 no rest, no breaks, no sleep, always grinding, Mm -hmm. your body will slow you down at some point. Your body will say no. Even if you're not saying no, your body will say no. And what that looks like for me is in college, sleeping literally 16 hours a night. Like I remember junior year of college, I lived in this town home with four other roommates. And they would say like, Oh, Fiona, I was calling your phone like a million times, but we knew you were just sleeping because you sometimes will sleep for 20 hours at a time. Like that's how bad it was. And Mm -hmm. I just thought that was normal. Like I just thought that I was tired because I was really stressed. Um, But it was thyroid related. (laughs) You know, I don't know if you experienced any of those things as well. But those were like my biggest Yeah, totally, totally. I still, to this day, like the middle of my eyebrows missing, the tails missing. Mm -hmm. I will go through intermittent times where hair falls out. That's usually when I have to beg my doctor to do my labs again. Um, Yeah, sleeping a ton. I would go to bed at like 6 p.m. and wake up at 7 a.m. Just like needing a lot of sleep, temperature fluctuations. Um, and yeah, I went through a similar thing where it was difficult to get a proper diagnosis. Do you think you could speak to some of the important labs somebody should be requesting? Yes. Yes. I am a big advocate. And again, like I'm not here to give medical advice. I'm here to help your listeners advocate for their health when they're in the doctor's office. Cause it can feel very scary. Um, yeah. I know for me, every time I go to the doctor, I legitimately like just cry. I'm like, okay. Like I forgot everything I was going to say. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. I feel you so, so yeah. hard. So I always say too, if you're like a highly sensitive girly like myself and maybe Tessa, like yeah. Have a list, like have a piece of paper where you write things down and you take it to your provider. That's what I would recommend. So I recommend um, like a full thyroid panel that includes antibodies. So you can't assume that your doctor ran a full thyroid panel. Oftentimes it is an out-of-pocket expense where insurance might not cover the full price. You might have to pay like a marginal amount out-of-pocket, but um a full panel includes TSH, free T3, free T4, TPO antibodies, and thyroid globulin antibodies. So the antibodies are really important because anecdotally, I've had hundreds of people DM me saying their antibodies were elevated, um, but their TSH was normal and everything else was normal. And that's a huge issue because 
a lot of people, a lot of providers will only check TSH and it's not because they're mean or they don't care. A lot of times they're ruled by our insurance based medical system that tells them like, this is what's covered by insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're only running what they deem is necessary when really antibodies can be elevated for years, years before TSH is. And, um, that I, that's why a full, full thyroid panel is just so, 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 so critical. And guys, if you, I'm, I'm personally someone who does not have health insurance currently, I'm self-employed. We need to like, I need to get my stuff together and like get that sorted out. Um, but I do, I do my own testing. So there's so many different options where you can order your own labs. If that's something you want to look into. Okay. Let's get, let's get checked is personally what I use. I'm not sponsored by them. I'm not affiliated by them. But they're a fantastic company um, where you can order a panel for around $100 and you just prick your finger, you get your, you send off your blood like in a little um, UPS package and you get your results back in like three days. So that's something you can use too if you're not getting anywhere with your provider. But a test where antibodies are ran is so, so critical. And Mm -hmm. if you still feel like things are off and you're not getting answers, even an ultrasound might be necessary. Um, so that those are things that you can ask for from your provider. And again, like we do have to advocate for ourselves, like in our medical system that we're kind of navigating through. So that's why I do recommend like having a piece of paper, jotting everything down, taking it to your provider. And you're allowed to say to your doctor too, like you're not being a Karen, you're not being rude by saying, Hey, um, if you don't want to run those laps, I totally understand that. Will you please mark that on my chart? So I'm not charged for this visit. You're allowed to say that in, in a mm-hmm. clinical setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really important that we know how to advocate for ourselves when, when we're going to the doctor, especially if you do, if you're, I don't know, I'm sure you have listeners from all over, but yes. if you live in the United States, it's not a fun time navigating our healthcare system. It's really tough. And I'm, I'm, I was kind of wondering why there is so much resistance to doing more labs. So that makes sense. You're saying it's, it's kind of just the rules of insurance, but I so strongly back you in saying to advocate for yourself just because it is kind of necessary. And I think as women, a lot of times we can take a a no or like, sorry, we just can't do it as like the final say. But I f- I'm sure you agree in that, yeah. like, we both knew from a young age, like something was off, like something was not mm-hmm. right. And it's fully within, I think, our rights to advocate for somebody who will listen. You can ask for a different doctor and just keep keep the conversation going. But sometimes it's really frustrating. There are so many people just dealing with, you know, medical conditions or not who aren't able to get a thyroid um, Mm -hmm. diagnosis. And like eventually you get tired and kind of want to give up. Mm -hmm. It's like you're all right. (laughs) You do reach a point where you're freaking tired of advocating for yourself. Like, And I fully empathize with that, especially if you're someone who's, let's say you are dealing with thyroid issues or you speculate you are, you're freaking tired. (laughs) Like you're tired. And so it is exhausting for the average person to go into their doctor's office and advocate for themselves. But now you're 
like just absolutely fatigued and just you feel beaten down it's exhausting it's absolutely exhausting but um it's like you mentioned and you you put so eloquently that like we we do need to be doing everything we possibly can to advocate for ourselves and that could be as simple as just asking for a full full thyroid panel totally totally um you had also mentioned insulin resistance and i'm really fascinated by this concept. Mm-hmm. Could you explain in layman's terms, like what this is and how it impacts our body? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so insulin resistance, first of all, I feel like, okay, I'm like trying to figure out a place to start. So with, with insulin resistance, I like to think of it like insulin is the key that lets glucose into our cells. So when we eat there's glucose present and that glucose needs to get into our cells so we can use that food as energy pretty much. And so insulin is like, think of it like there's kids in a crosswalk at like a school. The kids are in the crosswalk and like they'll get hit by a car if they don't get out of the crosswalk. So insulin is like the crossing guard that helps them across the street and like gets them to safety. So if those kids are just like in the middle of the crosswalk and there's no crossing guard to like help them get to one side of the street or the other, that causes, that's going to wreak havoc, right? Like those kids aren't going to be safe. Mm -hmm. And so when we're in a state of insulin resistance, it's like that our body isn't responding to that key letting glucose into the cell. So what that means, again, like going back to that crosswalk analogy, those kids in the middle of the crosswalk, like that's not good. Like those kids are going to get hit by a car. They can't get to one side of the street or the other. So when when that glucose can't get into the cell because we are insulin resistant, we're not responding to that key letting the glucose in, that can lead to systemic inflammation. Um, Insulin resistance is associated with um, higher levels of of Alzheimer's, dementia, cardiovascular disease, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which is becoming one of the top 10 leading causes of death in the United States. Um, it's associated with so many different issues. And I know on your podcast, you have a lot of estheticians listening. Mm-hmm. Um, insulin resistance is also a huge driver of hormone, like f- especially in individuals with PCOS, polycystic mm-hmm. ovarian syndrome. Um, many people with that condition also have um, insulin resistance and that fuels hormonal acne, hair loss. So a lot of skin issues can present, um, but I think having the knowledge that there could be something deeper going on can be really beneficial, Um, which is why, Tessa, I I just appreciate your content so much and that you take such a holistic approach with um, like skincare, like really combining the skincare with the lifestyle and the nutrition aspect too, I think is so important because the cool thing about this is that there's so much we can do to support our blood sugar. There is so much that is within your control that is simple, if not very inexpensive, like things that we can do today that can help improve blood sugar levels, which we can absolutely get into like how to balance blood sugar. But it's, I was actually reading a study very um, shortly before hopping on this call. And there was this, there was a study done um, by UNC uh, Chapel Hill that found that around 88 percent of Americans have some degree of insulin resistance. Like it is Mm. so common. Um, 
whether it's like full-blown insulin resistance or you're just experiencing symptoms. Like I made a reel about this today, just signs our blood sugars out of whack. Like people who frequently pee throughout the day or you have to wake up during the night to go pee multiple times or maybe you're someone who feels like you have a midday crash or like around noon you need that extra cup of coffee, you need a little bit of sugar to get through your day. Mm-hmm. Um, th- these are things we normalize. Like we normalize these things as a culture and we say, oh, that's we, like I, I get online I see memes. I literally see memes about this, like inject coffee directly into veins. Don't talk to me till I've had my coffee. I need a coffee in the middle of the day when like, that's our body's way of talking to us. And, um, 20 years later that could progress as a chronic condition, like insulin resistance or type two diabetes. But we, we start to experience symptoms years before that actually manifests into like a diagnosable condition. And I think it's something that Again, like from that study I referenced before, 88%, 88% of Americans are dealing with some degree of insulin resistance. So it's so important. It should be something that's talked about a lot more. I fully agree. And I I see so much casual promotion of this kind of lifestyle, especially amongst estheticians, which is why I'm very passionate about changing the conversation because I do see it almost become like a bragging right of not eating lunch, like not eating the whole day when we're at work, using Uh our bodies for facials, which is like a very physical, it's a lot of physical for hours and people saying they just survive on coffee. So that's something I'm very uh, adamant about like let's let's redirect the conversation like there's no shame around it but let's let's make sure we're fueling our body so we can give our clients you know the, the services they deserve mm-hmm. and I think like maybe you and I have a different perspective on this as as both of us have been diagnosed with autoimmune conditions at like quite a young age yeah. um I think it's something that when you have been diagnosed with a chronic condition at a young age, you have a different like perspective on your health. And I think a lot of people don't lose their health until their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, when again, your body will give you a lot of these symptoms early on. And I like to say, like my favorite quote is that, um, you know, you're if you don't take if you don't take care of i'm like butchering this quote but if if we're not taking care of ourselves first like our bodies will force us to slow down like eventually you'll reach a point yes. where you are forced to slow down i was the queen of like if you go back to my college twitter i would tweet all the time i'll sleep when i'm dead i run on college I can um, like skip breakfast. And like when you're young, you do like maybe that is the case for a certain amount of time, but there will be a point your body slows you down and you'll be forced to slow down. So I love that you like really encourage other estheticians to to take care of themselves because I think, um, you know, it's something a lot of people have to unfortunately learn the hard way. When, when they are diagnosed with a chronic condition, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> you know, right. like I want to encourage everyone to take care of themselves while, while you can before something bad happens. And I don't, I don't say that to like fear monger, but it, it's, it's so true that, 
if you don't take care of your health, like you'll be forced. The quote is like, if you don't take care of your health, you'll be forced to take care of your illness. So I, I think that's huge. Yes. And the body keeps the score. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so, and kind of tying back what you've shared as far as thyroid health and insulin resistance, um, a lot of times I notice because you mentioned hormonal acne as mm-hmm. something you see. Mm-hmm. I've noticed this is really tricky. It's it's difficult to treat topically. We can affect it to some degree, but I really feel like of of all the skin conditions, this one that is so internally tied and it needs to be treated from the inside out. Um, and I've also noticed it's difficult for clients to really pinpoint like why this is happening. I've even sent clients out for hormone testing and mm-hmm. everything kind of seems to come back normal. Do you have insights? Like, do you think it's the, is the, is what we call normal just such a broad range of people who are <laughs> perhaps imbalanced? Or do you think there are possibly factors like insulin resistance that we should be looking at? Or could it be a thyroid concern? Mm. Well, normal. Well, my first question for you is like when you send out clients for hormonal health testing, do you recommend that they do certain testing with maybe like their OBGYN or their endocrinologist? So if, if somebody has insurance and wants to pursue that route, that's typically Mm -hmm. where I've suggested we start. I've Mm -hmm. also heard there's criticism of certain testing and that it needs to be really precise, like as far as like the time of the day, et cetera. But what do you think? Well, I, there's, there's a lot of discourse. Like I'm not someone who provides functional testing, but I have friends in in the space online that do. And, um, there's a lot of discourse about if the, the blood test they're doing at maybe the, maybe the blood test that you get at, um, when you go to see your OBGYN or endocrinologist, like a serum test, if mm-hmm. that is as accurate as something like a Dutch test, which is a dried urine sample, which gives you more information on specifically like the pathways, different hormones are going down. And again, I'm not here to like definitively say one is better than the other or okay. that you should or shouldn't do this or that. But I think, um, there are some people, some experts in the space that say something like a Dutch test might be more accurate. And also too, I I think normal doesn't mean optimal. Mm -hmm. Normal doesn't mean optimal. So I think blood tests can be helpful, but your body's also giving you data. So Mm -hmm. hormonal acne, like specifically, like when I think of hormonal acne, I think of acne, like maybe around the jawline, the cheekbones, um, that absolutely can be related to insulin resistance and blood sugar issues. Like the top tip I give my clients, like the first thing we work on is balancing blood sugar. So just making sure you're eating enough protein and fiber, um, 
making sure every meal is balanced with fat, carbs, protein, and fiber. So that's the very, very, very first thing we work on. And if, I mean, I would say 90% of the clients that come to me are not eating anywhere close to the amount of protein they should be eating. So if you're not eating enough protein, you most likely have some sort of blood sugar imbalance. Like it's, it's kind of reflective of I think it's, it can be helpful to take an inventory of your lifestyle and an inventory of your mm-hmm. symptoms and act accordingly too, because testing can be helpful, but I, I think it can be helpful as well to listen to the data your body is giving you. So I definitely think um, blood sugar can have a huge impact with hormonal acne too. That's that's seriously fascinating. I feel like we should almost take like before and after like skin yeah. photos. Because I would love to see how, you know, that kind of structured program around nutrition can help with Mm -hmm. hormonal acne and, of course, like the person's overall wellness. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you be able to share with us, like, maybe we could kind of construct just as like a fun exercise, like maybe some, some breakfast, lunch, dinner, it would be supportive for somebody in this boat. Yes. Um, yeah. So I'm a huge, actually right before this is like very synergistic because right before this call, I was also reading a study about, um, breakfast specifically and insulin. And so they did a study where they took half of the participants and and one group ate really big dinners and small breakfasts and they took the other group and they had them front load their day is what I like to call it. So eat like the biggest meal of the day they're eating is breakfast and the smallest meal of the day is dinner. And what they found is the group that had the really big breakfast and the small dinner, that group had um, improved insulin sensitivity, significantly improved insulin sensitivity and um, better or um, more individuals in that group were able to ovulate. And that's a huge deal because, um, if a lot of us get our period, but we don't really give much thought to, are we ovulating Mm -hmm. just because you get your period doesn't mean you're ovulating. And so oftentimes I get a lot of eye rolls from individuals who aren't trying to conceive or aren't trying to become pregnant, but this Mm -hmm. is important for everyone, whether you're trying to conceive or not, because if you are not ovulating, your cycle will be painful and it will not be a fun time. Like you will have excruciating period pain. And a lot of times we don't think about how something like insulin sensitivity and eating, how that can have an impact on our hormones, on how painful our cycle is that month and even acne. So you had asked like walk us through like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I always recommend, like I am not a big fan of the skip breakfast intermittent fast until 2 PM fad. I'm just not. And one example studies, like I just mentioned that show, if you want to do some sort of fast, like if you really want to do that, do it at night, do it later. Because what we found is that you're more, you're the most insulin sensitive in the morning and you're the least insulin sensitive or more insulin resistant as it gets darker out. So I think we can really overcomplicate things like truly, but it's as like the science to me is super interesting, but it really just goes back to living in alignment with nature. Like we were meant to wake up with the sun 
Mm-hmm. Eat when the sun comes up and then gradually like stop eating as much as as the sun comes down and mm-hmm. go to sleep. And so many of us are living out of alignment of that circadian rhythm and it leads to a lot of issues. So it's not even necessarily yes. like the what to eat, but even like how you're structuring your meals can can make a difference. So I'm a big fan of like a good breakfast, even if that's like a very nutrient dense smoothie as you're running out the door, that's so much better than nothing. Um, I, I always just make sure there's a fat, carb, protein, and fiber. Mm. And th- those proportions are going to differ depending on your unique body, you as an individual. But I just want to share like basic principles that everyone can take away and everyone can apply. Um, so again, that's, that's going to look like a, a fat, carb, protein, and fiber with every meal. So like for breakfast this morning, I had like a little breakfast salad situation. I had like spinach and arugula. That was my fiber. Olive oil was my healthy fat, and I had four, a four-egg omelet, which is 20, about 24 grams of protein. And going back to protein, too, like a lot of – I would say 90% of my clients aren't eating enough protein. Like we're so scared to eat more than like one or two eggs. I'm like, no, like eat four eggs. Like get more protein in because you're only getting 12 grams of protein with two eggs, and that's not anywhere close to what you need to like actually start building muscle and improving insulin sensitivity. Mm-hmm. So um, – I did like a couple eggs in the morning, maybe like some breakfast potatoes as a side. To me, that would be like a pretty balanced breakfast. And I structure most of my meals like that, like just fat, carb, protein, fiber. I don't think we we necessarily have to overcomplicate it, but I think just getting in a big breakfast and making sure your meals are balanced, that can make a massive difference, a massive difference, especially getting in enough protein. I don't think two eggs is enough in the morning, <laughs> which I think so many people are like, for some reason, scared to eat more than two eggs or more, more sustenance in the morning when we, we really need that fuel to get through the day. Totally. And I'm so glad you touched on intermittent fasting because we hear so many different things. I've kind Mm -hmm. of heard that there's not as much testing for women. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of the benefits have been kind of like ascribed to men. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's true? You see, I've heard people say that, that the majority of studies have been conducted on on men. And for the larger amount of history, that's been true. But very recently, we have had studies that have been done on women that have found improved levels of insulin sensitivity. So I think like, the science is cool. I think it's great to reference. There is some, like you mentioned, like some contradictive information, like, is this mostly for men? Is this beneficial for women? But I think listening to your body is really important. Like, I think we love to outsource our intuition and say, but this study said this, or this study said that, but how do you feel when you're intermittently fasting? How do you feel? Because for me, when I did it for years, I felt like I was going to pass out at the gym when I was doing my workout. If you feel like you're going to pass out at the gym, I don't care what a study says. <laughs> like, listen to your body first and then use that information in your decision making for sure. But listen to your body. How do you feel mm-hmm. when you eat your first meal at four o'clock? Like, start to, and, and I think experimenting too. Like, maybe for a month, add in breakfast, see how you feel. If you feel better fasting, okay, cool. But it's it just goes to show like there's no – I think people love to be so black and white yeah. when it comes to nutrition, and it's so individual. Like our bodies are so unique, and what works for me might not work for you, and we need to respect that. So I think 
listening to your body and your intuition is so key and so big when it comes to things like like fasting. Totally. And I feel like it's like we're fluid, like our energy needs change. Like mm-hmm. you're now strength training. You you need a breakfast before you go do that. Yeah. But maybe there's a day you want to go on a jog and like it feels good to you to not have a big breakfast. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So so we're making larger breakfasts for the most part to kind of front load our day. Mm-hmm. Um lunch, lunch, dinner, snacks, what are some things like you find yourself commonly making or Mm. recommending? I like simple, if I'm being honest, like sometimes I feel kind of silly posting recipes and stuff. Cause I'm like, do people really want to see this? Cause it's just, Mm -hmm. I get very much in a rut of like same thing every day, but, um, I try to get in some sort of wild caught salmon a couple times a week. And the reason for that is Omega-3s, studies have shown that people who can, women specifically and people who menstruate who consume omega-3s oftentimes have less painful cycles. So I think that research is super interesting and um, getting in omega-3s is really beneficial. So I'll, I'll frequently do like salmon, maybe like potatoes and broccoli or something for lunch, like just something simple, like there's fat in the salmon, protein in the salmon, fiber in the maybe the broccoli and, and starch and carbs and the potatoes. That's how I, I like make most of my meals. Okay. Um, I'm also a huge fan of just batch cooking like a big soup for the week, to be honest. Like I keep things Ooh. super simple. Um, I think especially going into like October, November, like cozy food months, comfort food months. Yes. It's so, I find it so enjoyable just to make like a giant vat of soup. Maybe you have your bone broth in there for amino acids. Um, I, I, am a huge fan of just prepping something like that. Maybe having some carrots, root vegetables, potatoes, grass fed red meat, just really high quality ingredients. And then just heating that up throughout the week. Like that's something I'll frequently do. Um, so yeah, those are like my, my big staples, to be honest. I keep it pretty simple. (laughs) So good. No, I'm the same way. And I feel like most people would agree. Like we don't want to spend an hour. I don't like, like looking at a recipe line by line and like, you know, I'd prefer simple too. Um, I'm kind of thinking of clients who maybe haven't made their health a priority before. And like, they're hearing all of this and they're like, this all sounds great, but I need baby steps. Do mm-hmm. you run into this with clients? And are there any, I don't know if hack is the right word, but are there any ways you feel like people can kind of transition into mm-hmm. this type of lifestyle, like mm-hmm. with a little bit of ease, just yes. baby steps? And that's how I would recommend you do it because so I find like there's two groups of people group one is very overwhelmed by like all of the nutrition information and like, where do I start? So I, I just end up with analysis paralysis and do nothing. Or <laughs> there's a whole other group of people that are like balls to the walls, deep end of the pool. Let's yep. change my entire life. Like change nutrition, <laughs> change exercise. Like I'm a brand new person, 75 hard. Like then there's those people. Yes. So neither are good. Like neither are good because if you go to change everything at once, 
those changes aren't going to stick. And you're going to feel like you're on a hamster wheel where you do quote unquote really well for a week, then fall off, then really well for a week, then fall off. And yeah. that, I think like we often like look at ourselves and beat ourselves up and think like, there's something wrong with me. I'm just not disciplined. I'm just not motivated. Why can't I do these things? When really like we, the way we're building these habits, we're going about it in a completely not wrong way, but in a way that's not sustainable. So for both of those groups, I would recommend like literally take a month and change one thing at a time. Like maybe October is the month of drinking water. Like that, maybe that is literally the only thing you change in the month of October. That is the only thing I want you to do. Then November rolls around and you're like, okay, November is the month of eating salmon. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe it's the month of getting an omega threes. Okay. Literally just focus on that. And for I I think like if I were to hear that years ago, I would have rolled my eyes because I'm a very all or nothing girly. Like I, I'm deep end of the pool, change everything at once. And I'm going to be honest, like that's why it took me so many years to finally get to a good place with my health. Like it took me like where I was and where I'm at now it's taken, I've been on this health journey for like seven years and I could have cut that down to a year and a half if I would have just taken things one by one in like bite-sized chunks. So I mentioned strength training. The reason I brought that up, it's like just just relevant to me and where I'm at in my journey right now because I took this year, 2022, to be the year of strength training. Like that is literally the only goal I set for myself. Like I've I've been working on my health journey for so long. Like that was the one thing I I had been struggling with consistency, if I'm being honest. So I set that as my year, like literally my goal for the year. And then next year, maybe it's something else. Like it's just building in little chunks. So just pick one thing. Like, I feel like a lot of us know what we should be doing, but it's just the application that tends to be tricky, you know? Totally. And I'm so proud of you, by the way. I think that's so amazing. And we all have, you know, something we could improve upon. I think for me, like I'm very good with nutrition. I'm very good with working out, but like sleep and stress is where I struggle, you know? You too. Yeah. I I mean, like we're both business owners though. So sleep and stress. Totally. Things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Saying no and like trying to actively rest and like trying to not make plans so I could just have some self-care time. I think that's huge mm-hmm. as well. Um, I know we wanted to touch on mold toxicity a little bit. Mm-hmm. Where do you yes. even begin? Where to begin? Um, well, I can share a little bit of my story and and maybe this will resonate with um, your community. But I, my skin in terms of acne was exploding last, like it was around this time last year, actually. And I was so confused because my diet was on point. My nutrition was on point. I felt like I was managing my stress better than ever. I felt mm-hmm. like my sleep was good. So like, why is my skin breaking out? Right. And during the process of moving, this isn't the case for everyone. Mold isn't always visual. Like it's not always obvious is what I'm trying to say. But we were moving furniture from our old apartment into our like current apartment. I moved my dresser and behind my dresser is very obvious black mold just growing and it was also obvious that the apartment complex had like painted over mold that was Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. literally painted over it um so and that's pretty common unfortunately like it is 
pretty freaking common. Um, a lot of landlords are just trying to turn a profit and do not really aren't really concerned about mold being a health issue when it is for a lot of people. And also I want to touch on around 25% of the population has the HLA-DR gene or gene mutation, I'm sorry. And that gene mutation, this is why two people could be living in an apartment. One person's really sick and the other person feels fine. Because if you have a genetic predisposition for not being able to detoxify mold, you might be more affected by some, by it than someone else, which is I've been exposed to mold many times in my life. I, I do think it was a root, because there's also research that connects mold exposure to Hashimoto's. I, I think it was a huge factor that led to my autoimmune disease. I grew up with mold and my dad would always say like, why are you and your mom always sick all the time? It's probably mm. because we have that gene and he does not. Mm. So that's, it's a huge um, root cause for autoimmune issues, not to say it's a cause, more of a correlation. In correlational studies, they, they've found that mold exposure is linked to conditions like Hashimoto's. But um, that can, I think what's important to note, different types of mold act differently, but mold can also have an estrogenic effect, which is why a lot of people might notice unexplained weight gain. I gained like 40 pounds in two months from being exposed to mold. Again, nothing about my nutrition or my lifestyle had changed. Um, my skin was freaking out, which again, it makes sense if um, that's if that specific type of mold had an estrogenic effect that absolutely could present as hormonal acne. So I just think it's important to be aware of not only what you're putting in your body, but the environment you're yeah. in, because that can have a massive impact on your skin health, your, and just like your over, overall health, not, not just skin, but autoimmune issues. Um, so yeah, I think it's a huge piece that a lot of people overlook, unfortunately. Absolutely. Yeah. Our skin is our largest organ. It's a detox organ. And mm -hmm. I think the environment is so often overlooked. I was also sharing with Fiona how I just found out I have this dust mite allergy and I've had mm -hmm. rosacea emerge in the, in the last few years. Um, and since kind of working on my environment, removing carpets, a lot of like cotton fabrics um, where the mites can proliferate, I went into my dermatologist this past month and she was shocked at, at the difference in my rosacea from mm. controlling my environment because those mites can actually affect the inflammation that we see in rosacea. So I totally, totally am with you. The environment is so huge. Yeah. And a lot of times we just don't think of it. Yeah. Yeah. It When it comes to anything, whether it's skin health, thyroid health hormones, just very holistic. Like, what am I putting on my skin? What am I breathing in my environment? Because all of those things can absolutely have an impact. Do you see, I know there's some conversation around um, toxins like, plastic affecting hormones mm -hmm. and acne. Have you seen that? Yeah, specifically BPA, we know has an estrogenic effect. So BPA um, is in many forms of plastic, even receipt paper. Oh so, my gosh, great. <laughs> I know, right? Like they, the world we live in makes it really easy to be healthy, right? Right. But, <laughs> 
even, you know, you just simply touching receipt paper, like that can have an estrogenic effect. So BPA free, I'm a huge fan of even just swapping out like old plastic Tupperware containers for glass. I think that's really um, like a simple step people can make, especially um, pla- like plastic can degrade. So if you have like when I moved into my first apartment, my mom gave me all of these like plastic cups from childhood that she was trying to get rid of. And now looking back, I'm thinking about how all like after those being in the dishwasher literally hundreds of times, there's some plastic flaking off into your water. Like plastic is not um, like uh, a material that is great for longevity, like easily can erode. So I, a easy thing people can do is just upcycle. Like it doesn't have to be expensive. Like I have just old spaghetti sauce jars that I rinse out and I keep and I make my little iced coffees in my old spaghetti sauce jars. Or you can use those for storage or like Target has really great prices on just Pyrex glass containers. Like anything you can do to swap out plastic for glass is going to do nothing but benefit hormonal health. So I don't think it's about, you know, being obsessive about it, but just finding little ways that you can make small little swaps here and there that can be massively beneficial for hormonal health. That's so important to share. As far as like the mold and your environment, was there anything additional you do? Like, do you have an air purifier? Is there anything special you have in your home? I have a really good water filter, like a really good water filter. I and I would love to get an air filter at some point, but right now we, we've got the water filter going. Um, I really, I know this is a, a very controversial topic, but fluoride specifically we know is a halogen, so it blocks absorption of iodine, and we need iodine for our thyroids to function properly. Um, fluoride also inhibits magnesium uptake. And 80% of Americans are deficient in magnesium. So I'm not a huge fan of fluoride in in our water. Um, when it comes to toothpaste, I love like a nano hydroxy appetite toothpaste, like Risewell or Boca. Those are two really great brands. Studies show that hydroxy appetite may be equally as effective at remineralizing teeth as fluoride. Because um, fluoride does have a benefit. That's why um, dentists recommend it because it's, it's a remineralizing agent mineralizes our teeth so our teeth don't become weak and brittle but at least for me I think all you can do I'm not here telling anyone what they should or shouldn't do I just like like to lay the evidence on the table so you can make a decision for yourself you know but um I have like a fluoride filter for my water filter I I don't think people realize what's in our water um most municipalities are not filtering for pharmaceuticals so that means like birth control pills, antidepressants, that's all in our water supply, heavy metals, um, like runoff from farms, pesticides, herbicides, insecticides, rodenticides, all of that's in our water. They've even done studies on tadpoles in water and they found that male tadpoles, they're changing sex like in the water, like male tadpoles are changing to female tadpoles because of what's in our water. Like it's, so what is that doing to our hormones? You know, right? right. It's scary to think about, but I do think like if you're on a horse, if like if you were to spend your money on one thing, like one thing, there's a lot of garbage supplements and crap that's marketed to us as women and people with menstrual cycles in terms of like balancing your hormones. If you spend your money on one thing, 
let it be just like a really good water filter that filters for everything. Like one I like, it's the clearly filtered water filter. That one's amazing. Berkey has a really amazing water filter. Those are two that I frequently recommend. Um, But I would just say like, if you're going to spend your money on one thing to support hormonal health, I would say it's a really good water filter. That's such an incredible tip. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that's something I am really noticing right now. Like we're starting to become more health conscious, but it's almost turning into just like new marketing opportunities, like an Alani new like hormone. All these powders we've talked about before that are super nature ingrained, like Should you spend $100 on the powder that puts gut health on the label or invest that $100 in like groceries to support your 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 nutrition for the week or like an amazing water filter you can have for a year or two? Yeah. It's like, and I swear every time I walk into, I rarely go into like a Sephora or Ulta these days, but sometimes I do. Cause I'm just curious. I'm curious yeah. as to what they're selling. And I went into Ulta the other day and they had a whole shelf full of like hormone balancing hair, skin and nail gummy, like this. And it, I, it's all crap. Like if you could spend your money on like anything that's going to move the needle forward in terms of hormonal health, thyroid health, I would say like get a gym membership so you can start lifting weights or whether that's like some sort of membership or hiring a personal trainer. I know that's a luxury, but any anything that's accessible, even if it's like a $20 Planet Fitness membership, like that, that's going to be quote unquote more hormone balancing than the hair, skin and gummy, hair, skin and nail gummies. Like the water filter is going to be more beneficial than the Alani new hormone balancing supplements that are not good not good <laughs> good oh my gosh well this was honestly so much fun Fiona I'm obsessed with you I feel like we just barely scratched the surface but so much good stuff at the same time but hopefully we can do this again thank this you so, so much this was so fun um would you mind sharing like where we can find you if you have yeah. spots open what does that look like if somebody wants yeah. to work with you yeah um so best place to find me is my instagram it's just heal.with.fifi and i have my website on there and like all of the different ways to work with me but um yeah currently i i am running a program called thyroid meals for her i don't know when this podcast will air but the doors to that will close like first week of november and that's a program that's really for any like if you resonated with this podcast episode and you're looking for like just a place to start you're probably a good fit for the program. If you resonated with any of the things Tessa and I were speaking about, whether that's like the tail of your eyebrow disappearing or hair loss or irregular menstrual cycles or hormonal issues, that's really who that program is geared towards. And um, it's an eight week program. We meet once a week and we touch on all of these topics just in more depth than we obviously can go into in, in a podcast episode. So if you're looking for a place to start, I give all of my clients, just recipes, grocery shopping lists. Um, and we do weekly calls on, on different topics, like what we touched on on here, just in more depth. So yeah. So awesome. That sounds so great. And I'll definitely link your website and Instagram 
in the show notes. And this this episode should be up like today or tomorrow. So there's definitely time to get involved. Awesome. Yay. Thank you so much, Fiona. We love you. Thank you for and having me. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Thanks guys for listening. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>